0: familial alzheimer's disease is an exceedingly rare form of alzheimer's that was recently brought to light by the film still alice learn more about the heartbreaking disease that devastates families and how you can determine your own risk what you should know about familial alzheimer's disease fad is a rare form of alzheimer's that is entirely passed down through family being inherited from a parent. Fat accounts for between 2-3% to of all cases of Alzheimer's and usually has a much earlier onset than other types of Alzheimer's, with symptoms developing in their 30s or 40s. This rare form of the disease has recently been put into the spotlight, as the type of Alzheimer's that Alice Howland, played by Julianne Moore, battles in the Oscar nominated movie, Still Alice. Researchers believe that people with FAD have a mutation in 1 to 3 genes known to aid in the development of Alzheimer's, PS1, PS2 and DAP. All of these genes influence the production of beta amyloid proteins that can clump together and become a hallmark characteristic of Alzheimer's. People diagnosed with familial Alzheimer's have generally had one parent diagnosed with the disease and siblings and children each have a 50% chance of inheriting it. It would be extremely rare for FAD to make a first-time appearance in a family. Similar to the more common late-onset Alzheimer's, FAD has no cure and causes the person diagnosed to eventually become completely dependent on others. The disease differs from the more common late-onset Alzheimer's by its early-onset and its rarity. Determining Your Risk by Tests Many people who have seen loved ones fight Alzheimer's want to know if they are at risk for the disease. Genetic testing may be useful in helping to determine the risk of any given person with a few caveats. While testing is available for FAD, it is important to consider that it is extremely rare with roughly only 200 family lines in the world carrying the genetic mutation. Also, there is no cure for the disease. So knowing that there is a chance a person is at high risk before symptoms occur can be stress inducing and have a negative impact on well-being as well as personal relationships. At the same time, an earlier diagnosis can lead to better and more treatment options. Researchers suggest that anyone undergoing a test and obtaining positive results talk speak with a genetic counselor or doctor. Because familial Alzheimer's is so rare, it is not included in clinical and drug trials. It is often called the ultimate orphan disease, lacking advocacy, funding, and visibility. While the search for a cure rages on, researchers urge people to prevent the disease with positive lifestyle choices, including regular exercise, a healthy diet, and a low stress lifestyle. According to the Alzheimer's Association, Alzheimer's disease affects over 5 million people in the United States, and eliminating the disease would save more than half a million lives every year. Though the cause of Alzheimer's still eludes researchers, it has been linked to certain genetic factors. Learn more about how scientists continue to examine these inherited factors. Is Alzheimer's genetic question? Although most people believe they are the same. There is a difference between genetic and hereditary traits. Your genes make you who you are, where your hereditary traits, like eye and hair color, are passed down from generation to generation. Both play a large role in determining how we are to develop a disease. Genes, heredity, and Alzheimer's. Disease medical news today explains that our genes determine what we look like, how we behave, and how we survive they can make us susceptible to certain diseases and conditions, like Alzheimer's, depending on whether we develop those conditions. How our genes interact with each other and on environmental factors has a large role in determining if we are likely to develop the disease, as does inherited traits, according to Healthline. People whose immediate family members have Alzheimer's have been found to be at a higher of developing the disease. Scientists believe Alzheimer's results from a combination of genetic and hereditary traits, meaning some of these factors we can change, but others such as our genes, we cannot. Here are two categories of genes that researchers have linked to Alzheimer's. Risk genes increase your likelihood for a disease but do not guarantee you will have it. The strongest risk gene for Alzheimer's is called apolipoprotein. EE, a POE4. Studies indicate that this gene may factor into 20-25% to of Alzheimer's cases. If you inherit a POE4 from one parent, your risk for Alzheimer's increases. Inheriting it from both parents makes your risks go up even higher, but it is still not a certainty. Deterministic genes cause a disease or disorder and guarantee you will develop it if you inherit these genes. Research shows that gene variations in three proteins, amyloid precursor protein, APP, presenilin 1, PS1, and presenilin 2, PS2, will result in Alzheimer's disease, also called familial Alzheimer's disease. Deterministic gene variations often affect many family members in multiple generations, and symptoms typically develop before age 60. However, this form of Alzheimer's accounts for fewer than 5% of cases. Alzheimer's Risk Factors You can change. Even if you have no family history or genetic risk of Alzheimer's, other health issues, such as brain injury and cardiovascular disease, can increase your chances of having dementia. For instance, your odds of having the disease increase if you suffer from head trauma that results from vehicle accidents, sports injuries and falls can put you at greater risk for Alzheimer's. Buckle your seatbelt, wear your helmet and take precautions in your home to prevent falls for you and senior loved ones. Certain conditions such as high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, high cholesterol or history of stroke may increase your chances for developing Alzheimer's. Follow your doctor's instructions for preventing or treating any damage to your heart or blood vessels. More Alzheimer's research is needed. Experts continue to research the complex biological and environmental factors that influence Alzheimer's disease, but if you are concerned about your risks, Talk to your doctor about your family history and other health concerns that you may have. Early detection is crucial to getting the maximum benefits of treatment, and it can give you more time and more say in planning for your future. A new study reveals somber news for those who have two parents suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Children of Alzheimer's sufferers may show the early symptoms of the disease in the brain before Experiencing any symptoms. What does this mean for children of Alzheimer's? Victims. Your chances of getting Alzheimer's when both parents suffer. Disturbing facts for children of Alzheimer's patients. A new study in neurology shows that those who have two parents with Alzheimer's may exhibit signs of the disease in the brain decades before symptoms appear. A research team at the New York University School of Medicine observed 52 dementia-free people between the ages of 32 and 72. Through MRI scans and PET scans, investigators found some disturbing facts that suggest a genetic predisposition to Alzheimer's, those participants whose mother and father both had Alzheimer's disease showed 5-10% to more brain plaques in specific brain regions than those who had healthy parents. When both parents had Alzheimer's, the participants showed more severe brain abnormalities in volume and metabolism. Participants whose mothers had Alzheimer's disease showed a higher level of biomarkers of Alzheimer's than those whose fathers had Alzheimer's. While the study does not show exactly which genes are responsible for the early brain changes, researchers hope that their findings will be helpful too. Future Investigations Although this news may at first be dispiriting to caregivers who have watched their parents suffer from the disease, it may also lead to new methods of detection and prevention. Dr. Lisa Mosconi from the New York University Longoni Medical Center said, studies show that by the time people come in for a diagnosis, there may be a large amount of irreversible brain damage already present. This is why it is ideal that we find signs of the disease in high-risk people before symptoms occur. If patients and doctors know that a family history of Alzheimer's can mean a higher risk for children, the disease is more likely to be found earlier. A reader says yes, I definitely want to know my chances. My family believes I already have symptoms. I have always had poor areas of memory, but they think it's getting worse. My maternal grandmother died from some form of dementia. And three of her children now have some form of dementia. One vascular dementia the. Other two undiagnosed. So my worry of developing dementia is great and I'm only. 56. This case control study examined the potential for a common etiology of. Parkinson's disease, PD, and Alzheimer's disease, ID, using reported family. History. Structured interviews were used to collect AD and PD family history from subjects, N equals 1531, with AD, PD, AD to PD, or controls. Intergroup. Analysis compared reported AD and PD family histories in the three case groups to the histories reported in the control group. Intragroup analysis. Stratified each diagnostic group based on positive family history of AD. Then compared the subgroups for a family history of PD. Subjects with AD had a higher risk of having a family history of AD odds ratio, or 2.3, 1.5 to 3.4. And subjects with PD had a higher risk of having a family history of PD, or 2.2, 1.2 to 4.0, as compared to control subjects. Intergroup analyses revealed no significant cross-risk, increased risk of subjects with AD having a family history of PD versus controls and vice versa. Intra-group analysis found that subjects with PD and a family history of AD were more likely to have a family history of PD, OR 1.7, 1.1 to 2.6, when compared to subjects with PD and no family history of AD. A similar trend was found for subjects with AD OR 1.7, 0.9 to 3.1. AD and PD cases each have an increased familial risk of their respective disease. Probands with AD or PD and a family history of either disease have a higher cross-risk of a family history of the other disease. These findings suggest the existence of common genetic and or environmental factors that predisposed to both A.D. and P.D. in the subset of cases with positive family history of both neurodegenerative diseases. Subjects in all study groups completed a structured family history interview in which they were asked to identify all family members with either A.D. or P.D. Other family members helped to provide details for most A.D. and A.D. to P.D cases and for a smaller percentage of the pd cases furthermore they were required to specifically indicate which family member had the disease in question in addition a subset of subjects was also asked about cancer occurrence in their family to test for recall bias a family history of ad was considered positive if ad was reported in any specific named family member The same method was used to determine a positive family history of PD and to determine a positive family history of cancer. We did not include reports of memory loss, tremor, or other types of dementia as positive family histories. For those analyzes utilizing extended family members to determine a positive family history, most of the extended family members included were second-degree family members none of the family members were examined. Alzheimer's is a disease which currently affects 42% of the UK population, either through personal suffering, or though their loved ones. It is an illness that is largely misunderstood by those without personal or professional experience of it, and can be thought of as just memory loss. In actual fact, Alzheimer's is a life-changing disease which affects all aspects of the sufferers' day-to-day lives, as well as the people close to them. In the UK alone there are currently 800,000 people living with dementia, with numbers set to rise to 940,110 by 2021 and 1,735,087 by 2051. Dementia costs Around £23 billion a year, which is more expensive than the treatment of heart disease, strokes and cancer, it is hoped that more attention will be paid to research into finding better treatments for the disease. Alzheimer's and dementia affect so many people and so many families, so why is the awareness so low? Any families who have dealt with or are dealing with Alzheimer's will know that it is not just an illness, it becomes a way of life. It is often said that with alzheimer's there are good days and bad days and it is true up to a point however the good days are not as good as they once would have been and unfortunately once alzheimer's takes over the person you once knew becomes a shadow of their former selves another problem that can arise when spending time with someone suffering from alzheimer's is that they can very quickly become paranoid For example if someone laughs they might think it is directed at them, causing them to become irate. This can make it hard to socialize as normal without making them feel uncomfortable, and it is important to keep their feelings in mind at all times. While dealing with Alzheimer's is no walk in the park, it is something that must be done and it does have light moments. For all of the difficult times and the sadness faced, There are times when the person suffering from Alzheimer's will show a flash of their personality as it used to be. Jennifer Williamson is a genetic counselor at the Taub Institute for Research on Alzheimer's Disease and the Aging Brain and the Gertrude H. Sergievsky Center at Columbia University, New York Genetic Status Protocol. Get a sense of the careful process you may want to ask for should you decide to find out about your genetic status. Early-onset familial Alzheimer's disease, IFAD, is a autosomal dominant genetic disease. This means that in each family it is caused by a mutation in a single gene, and that a single copy of the mutant gene, inherited from one parent, will cause the disease. The discovery in the mid-1990s of IFAD genes aroused the specter of knowing one's genetic future not only for patients but also for their children and entire families. Indeed, the age of genetic testing is here. DNA testing has been used since the mid-1990s for Huntington disease, HD, and certain types of cancer. The experience with these families provides helpful guidance for families with IFAD, who have turned to genetic testing more recently. Indeed, there is a Large literature on genetic testing for HD and a small but growing literature. For AD, genetic tests can be used to confirm the presence of an AFAD gene in a patient who already has symptoms. Testing can also predict who will develop the disease in the future. Whichever way they are used, genetic tests force us to ponder naughty ethical and life questions. If you are today a perfectly Healthy 25 year old who has seen a parent claimed by this disease, would you want to know if you face the same fate or have escaped it? How will this knowledge change your life? Will knowing this help you or harm you? A few brave souls have already taken the step of finding out. Some have learned that they do have an AFAD gene. You will read about them in some of the stories that accompany this series you will learn how these pioneers have already entered the world of genetic medicine. Some volunteer for trailblazing research studies to understand how their disease will develop, and perhaps to have a chance to try to prevent it. Others have used the knowledge that they carry an AD mutation to have a baby by pre-implantation genetic testing, to ensure their child will be free of the AFAD gene. People who choose DNA testing for early onset familial AD represent the kind of patient envisioned for the future of genomic medicine a new science in which each person's genetic makeup would determine a health care geared toward altering his or her genetic prognosis. Today, people who are at risk of IFAD are stuck in a limbo between knowledge of the genes that cause IFAD and ignorance of how to intervene. The genetic testing for a FAD is available but remains bewildering to lay people and even to many physicians. The preventive care is not in place at all, but academic research efforts in this direction are gearing up, CSA, where to turn for research, human studies of a FAD. As this area grows and experts agree it inexorably will it is important to develop it with exquisite sensitivity for the best interest of the patients and their families. This includes education of families and physicians, as well as more research on how people who have been tested fare over the long term. Why do people request genetic testing for AD? Candidates for genetic testing cite a range of reasons, some altruistic, others practical, some psychological. Some of those apply to all categories of DNA testing for AD. diagnostic. Predictive susceptibility while others are primarily at work in predictive testing. It's important to realize that while genetic testing can indeed help you address many of these issues, it is not necessary for all of them. You can allay some of your concerns without knowing your genetic status. Prepare finances for your children, draw up advanced directives. Genetic counseling can be invaluable to sort those things out. For further reading, information see Williamson and Laros Meaning in 2004. Checklists for Families and Providers' Experience with the Fab Genetic Testing. So far, has led to some generally accepted recommendations. Every interested family member, not just the family spokesperson, should ask for this information. People are motivated to contribute to genetic research, either for their own benefit or that of their younger relatives and coming generations. People hope that effective treatment will be developed in time for them, and hope to be eligible to participate in clinical trials. People cite the need to know, particularly as they approach the age of disease onset in their family, their anxiety intensifies and they cannot stand it anymore. Some believe they already have the disease. Fear makes them doubt their mental Faculty, and question every instance of forgetting. Many of these cases prove not to carry the mutation. People want to plan their finances, long term care and disability insurance, retirement, advance directives, and will. People want to plan their families will they have children or not, get married or not? People want to make changes in their lifestyle, spend more time with family exercise, eat more healthily, etc. People want to know what to tell their children, family. Clinicians can consider these questions before initiating genetic testing with a given family. Genetic testing for early onset familial Alzheimer's disease comes in two major varieties. There is diagnostic DNA testing for people who already have symptoms and predictive testing for relatives who may have inherited a definite disease gene. A third variety, a post-susceptibility testing, is allowed for diagnosis but is not recommended for predictive risk assessment of healthy people. A post-susceptibility testing is more relevant for late-onset AD and for AD that is inherited in a non mendelian fashion than for a FAD, and is therefore not discussed in detail here. Genetic testing is also available for other forms of hereditary dementia, for example Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease and frontotemporal dementia, as well as for some forms of inherited Parkinson disease. The specific details differ for each disease, depending on its underlying genetics, but the general issues are similar. Diagnostic testing For more information, in cases where a young or middle-aged person has Symptoms of AD and there is a family history of early onset AD, doctors may suggest DNA testing. Clinical practice on this is not uniform, as some physicians believe that genetic testing has value, while others feel that it adds little. Typically, doctors only recommend this if there is a previous known case of AD in the family. That affected person donates blood, which is then tested for a mutation in the genes for presenilin 1, presenilin 2, or AP. In the U.S. only presenilin 1 testing is available commercially. Testing for the last two genes must be pursued through an academic laboratory, if these tests come back negative, the question of a possible genetic cause of a D in the family stays unanswered. If they come back positive, the doctor can Identify the mutation that causes AD in the family. Once a mutation is found, doctors can test if the same mutation occurs in the DNA of additional family members. In those instances where a mutation is found in a fully diagnosed AD case, DNA testing can then complete the diagnosis in other members of the family. Some clinicians think this can be particularly helpful when a relative has early symptoms and she, he, or the spouse and siblings suspect AD but would not otherwise be able to know definitively for a few more years until symptoms become overt. Those are angst years for the family, and testing can lay an agonizing uncertainty to rest. It can also help people with early AD psychologically, as it confirms that their difficulties are not their fault and that they were right to cut back work if they had to. Four, some people, the test result helps them plan their future and focus on creating good times with their families. Occasionally, medical geneticists use diagnostic testing in a slightly broader way. They sometimes search the DNA of a person in whom they suspect AD4. If add mutations even when there is not a clear autosomal dominant inheritance, Pattern in the family, or in cases where a parent who had early onset dementia has died and no blood or tissue samples from the parent are available for testing. This can then help diagnose further cases of AD in relatives. This kind of search is best done by specialized research groups who are adept at distinguishing an inconsequential gene change from a true AD mutation. Rogva in 2001. Diagnostic DNA testing is done most commonly on the in one gene. This happens either through a commercial service offered by Athena Diagnostics, or through a CLIA-certified laboratory at an academic medical center that has a clinical genetics program And AD CLIA-certified labs can formally confirm mutation findings that cropped up first in the context of a research study. Occasionally, DNA testing is done on the app or. 2 genes. Mutations in these two genes are rarer than Prozenilin 1. Mutations. No commercial test is available for them, and testing occurs at various academic centers. In the US, no company offers a combined test for all three FAD genes, such that a practicing neurologist could simply send a patient's sample and get a test result back. Clinicians disagree about whether that is good or bad. The lack of such a comprehensive commercial test contributes to limiting the use of DNA testing, and probably exacerbates the problem of outright misdiagnosis that families with a fad frequently encounter. See Brad and Megan interview. At the same time, researchers are mindful that the genetics of AD is more complicated to interpret than that of some other Heritable diseases, such as Huntington's. Some AD clinical geneticists worry that if tests results were available too easily, people might end up receiving misleading results. They encourage families to pursue diagnostic testing. Through qualified centers, see OD centers list. APO testing sometimes becomes part of the diagnostic workup of a person with IFAD. APO comes in three types: two, 3, and 4. In the general population, people with APO4 face a greater risk of developing AD at a younger age. Some clinicians feel that in a person with an autosomal dominant AFAD mutation, APO can give some added insight into when AD is likely to begin or how aggressive its course is likely to be. However, in those cases, the Impact of the primary FAD mutation far outweighs that of APO4, and indeed, other clinicians argue that APO testing adds little information for these particular families. Some research studies are exploring differences in how APO variants affect a person's response to a given therapeutic drug. Once this research solidifies, APO testing may add real value to the diagnosis. Until then it is up to the discretion of the medical team. In general, medical centers offer genetic testing as a clinical service. Patients would be required to pay for the diagnostic test out of pocket or through their health insurance. A few centers have research studies that can cover the cost of genetic testing for volunteers who agree to participate in a study. In this setting, The researchers need to know which participants carry an AFAD mutation, but not every participant will want to know. Participants can choose whether or not to be told their test results. Part of the reason why people choose to get tested in a research setting is that this information need not become part of their medical record. Each route to genetic testing, clinical service versus research study, has advantages and disadvantages and families should ask up front. In general, diagnostic DNA testing is considered the form of testing that is less controversial. It has a clear-cut benefit after all, nailing an uncertain, difficult diagnosis in someone who is already ill offers clarity for all. But nothing in genetic testing is absolute, and there are situations where diagnostic testing may do more harm than good. This is a danger in sporadic cases. The news of a wholly unexpected AD gene in mom or dad, or a sibling with children, would be a bombshell for the family. It's sure to upset children, siblings, and possibly even relatives further removed. Why test DNA? In sporadic cases, familial Alzheimer's disease is genetic and sporadic disease. is not, right? This widely held assumption is in fact an arbitrary division and is not always true. Granted, clinicians most readily suspect a faulty gene when early onset AD has shown a pattern of reappearing in the family. But on occasion they are also ordering a genetic test in cases where their patient is the only known sufferer. As AD genetics become better known, some physicians send blood for testing simply because a person's symptoms begin unusually early. With some regularity, back comes news of a brazenylin mutation. This can be useful in making the correct diagnosis, but it's dangerous, too. If the physician isn't careful, she, he might end up springing a terrible surprise on unsuspecting young adult children, namely a 50% risk of carrying a Gene for AD themselves. Where the clinical team suspects that sporadic AD is not actually sporadic, it's important that they move cautiously and give the family ample opportunity to come to terms with this new prospect. Depending on the family's circumstances, the delicate balance of a physician's duty to warn versus a family's right not to know may come down on the side of doing less rather than more. Consider some examples. Genetic Counselor Jill Goldman, then at the University of California, San Francisco, and her colleagues there recently explored this issue with a series of case reports. One tells the story of a 59-year-old Hispanic immigrant who had had early-onset AD for 12 years when her husband and daughter brought her in. The family had no health insurance and paid for the visit out-of-pocket. A genetic counseling session soon made clear that they were neither prepared to learn of the potential risk to their family, nor in a position to benefit from a genetic diagnosis. They worried about the cost of the test and about having to scare their relatives. For them, it seemed as if any further disclosure of genetic risk might cause mostly disruption and anxiety. The father and daughter decided against genetic testing the question that lingered with goldman was how can the physician and counselor know beforehand if the caregivers want to be made aware of a possible genetic burden and its implications for the rest of the family in other words did this family want to know even as much as they heard in their initial counseling session moreover cultural attitudes to medical knowledge and family structures in different ethnic backgrounds are an important part of this equation. The availability of genetic tests is creating advances and dilemmas for the standard of care in the diagnosis and prediction of potential hereditary diseases. In most situations, discussions about genetic testing in families with sporadic cases of dementia should be delayed until the utility and benefits can be established and a long-term relationship with the patient and family can be developed the authors write goldman and who indiana 2004 a further facet of this issue emerges from the story of a patient with cruttsfeld jacob disease cjd a degenerative prion disorder in a group of diseases that includes mad cow disease it poses similar genetic dilemmas at 53 The man appeared to have CJD. His 23-year-old daughter signed an informed consent for his participation in a research study that included genetic testing, and a known mutation in his prion gene turned up. The daughter was stunned to learn, rather abruptly, that her own odds of getting CJD were 50-50. To her knowledge, her family had never experienced neurologic disease before. The medical team offered predictive testing to the daughter in the context of a full counseling protocol, and after several weeks of consideration, she opted in. The point here is that this woman did not have a chance to make an informed decision about whether she wanted to know her father's status or not. It just came out in the course of reviewing his records. Experts urge people to seek genetic counseling before and after Testing, though in practicality, some people do not. Alzheimer's disease is an irreversible, progressive brain disease. It is characterized by the development of amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles, the loss of connections between nerve cells, or neurons, in the brain, and the death of these nerve cells. The expanded definition of Alzheimer's disease includes two new phases of the disease presymptomatic and mildly symptomatic but pre-dementia along with dementia caused by Alzheimer's disease. This reflects current thinking that Alzheimer's disease begins creating distinct and measurable changes in the brains of affected people of years before onset. There are two types of Alzheimer's disease early onset and late onset, LOAD. Early onset disease occurs in people 30-60 years of age. It is rare, representing less than 5% of all people who have Alzheimer's disease. Some cases of early-onset disease have no known cause, but most cases are inherited, a type known as familial Alzheimer's disease, FAD. Familial Alzheimer's disease is caused by any one of a number of different single-gene mutations, such as mutations on chromosome 21 which cause the formation of abnormal amyloid recursor protein, APP, a mutation on chromosome 14 causes the production of abnormal presenilin 1, and a mutation on chromosome 1 leads to production of abnormal presenilin 2. Most cases of Alzheimer's disease are the late-onset form, which develops after 60 years of age. The causes of late-onset Alzheimer's disease are not yet completely understood, but they likely include a combination of genetic, environmental, and lifestyle factors that influence a person's risk for developing the disease. Inheritable risk in low to 60 to 80 percent, but genetics and environmental factors equally contribute to the onset, progression, and severity of disease genetic association is currently, the APO gene, located on chromosome 19, is the only gene identified that is related to load, and it also runs in families, although its relation to the occurrence of load is weak. APO at the molecular level helps in the synthesis of a polypeptide E, which is a cholesterol carrier in the brain, helping in amyloid aggregation and the clearing of deposits from the parenchyma of the brain. In the absence of function of this gene, excessive beta amyloid deposits occur in the brain, which is one of the findings in patients with load. There are different forms or alleles, of APO, with the three most common ones being a epsilon 2, a epsilon 3, and a epsilon 4. The five common genotypes are two-thirds, three-thirds, Two fourths, three fourths, and four fourths. APOE epsilon two is a relatively common variant, but is rarely seen in the population and may provide some protection against the disease. APOE epsilon three, the most common allele, is believed to play a neutral role in the disease, neither decreasing nor increasing risk. APOE four is present in about 25 to 30 percent of the population and in about 40% of all people with load. People who develop Alzheimer's disease are more likely to have an apo-epsilon-4-leli than people who do not develop the disease. apoepsilon epsilon 4 is called a risk factor gene because it increases a person's risk of developing the disease. However, inheriting an apo-epsilon-4-leli does not mean that a person will definitely develop Alzheimer's disease. Although Research supports the relation of the apoe epsilon 4 variant and the occurrence of load the full mechanism of action and the pathophysiology are not known it has also been documented that the risk of load is much higher in patients with the double variant of the Apoepsilon 4 gene than in those with a single variant the risk of load increases tenfold with double variant alleles for apoe 4 a Stronger correlation is found in Asian and European patients. The molecular mechanism that supports the role of APOEpsilon4 in pathogens is that of load. Research showed differential co expression correlation network. Analysis of the APOEpsilon4 and load transcriptomic changes identified a set of candidate core regulatory mediators. Several of these mediators, including APA2, FEN, RNF219, and SV2A, encode known or novel modulators of load. Associated amyloid beta A4 precursor protein, APP, endocytosis, and metabolism. Furthermore, a genetic variant within RNF219 was found to affect amyloid deposition in human brain and low age of onset. These data implicate NEPO. Epsilon 4 associated molecular pathway that promotes load but with weak clinical correlation. Although a blood test can identify which apollelies a person has, it cannot predict who will or will not develop Alzheimer's disease. It is unlikely that genetic testing will ever be able to predict the disease with 100% accuracy because too many other factors may influence its development and progression such as environmental factors, ethnicity, and other comorbidities, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, high cholesterol, and head trauma. One of the biggest limitations of genetic testing is the psychological impact that positive results can have on patients who might have the disease in the future. However, the impact of delivering a positive result was studied by the REVEAL trial. Which didn't show any significant long term psychological impact, depression, or anxiety in patients tested positive for the ApoEpsilon4 gene. Ask your doctor for more information. Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia and represents a major public health problem. The neuropathologic findings of amyloid beta plaques and tau containing neurofibrillary tangles represent important molecular clues to the underlying pathogenesis. Genetic factors are well recognized, but complicated. Three rare forms of autosomal dominant early-onset familial Alzheimer's disease have been identified and are associated with mutations in amyloid precursor protein, presenilin 1, and presenilin 2 genes. The more common late-onset form of Alzheimer's disease is assumed to be polygenic multifactorial. However, thus far the only clearly identified genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's disease is apolipoprotein E, the epsilon 4 allele of apo. Lipoprotein E influences age at onset of Alzheimer's disease, but is neither necessary nor sufficient for the disease. The search continues for the Discovery of additional genetic influences. A three-generation family history. With close attention to the history of individuals with dementia should be obtained. For each affected individual, the age of onset of dementia should be noted. Generally, individuals with onset before age 65 years are considered to have early onset AD and those with onset after age 65 years are considered to have late-onset AD medical records of affected family members, including reports of neuroimaging studies and autopsy examinations, should be obtained. The diagnosis of OFAD is made in families with multiple cases of AD in which the mean age of onset is before age 60 to 65 years. The diagnosis of late-onset FAD is made in families with multiple cases of AD in which the mean age of onset is after age 60 to 65 years. Molecular genetic testing of late onset familial AD the association of one or two copies of the Apollo LE4 genotype C2-E4, E3-E4, E4-E4, with late onset AD is well documented. Mode of inheritance because AD is genetically heterogeneous, genetic Counseling of persons with AD and their family members must be tailored to the information available for that family. AD is usually considered polygenic and multifactorial. OFAT is inherited in an autosomal dominant manner. Risk to family members late onset nonfamilial Alzheimer's disease genetic. Counseling for people with nonfamilial AD and their family members must be empiric and relatively nonspecific it should be pointed out that AD is common and that the overall lifetime risk to any individual of developing dementia is approximately 10 to 12 percent. First degree relatives of a person with AD have a cumulative lifetime risk of developing AD of about 15 to 30 percent, which is typically reported as a 20 to 25 percent risk. This risk is about 2.5 times that of the background risk, tilde 27% versus 10.4%. Disagreement exists as to whether the age of onset of the affected person changes the risk to first degree relatives. One found that early onset AD increased the risk, whereas another study did not. The number of additional affected family members probably increases the risk to close relatives, but the magnitude of that increase is unclear unless the pattern in the family is characteristic of autosomal dominant inheritance. Having two, three, or more affected family members probably raises the risk to other first-degree relatives in excess of that noted above for non-familial cases, although the exact magnitude of the risk is not clear. Heston researcher found a 35 to 45 percent risk of dementia in Individuals who had a parent with AD and a sib with onset of AD before age 70 years. Jyadev researcher also report data suggesting that offspring of parents with conjugal AD, both parents affected, had an increased risk of dementia. Risk to family members early onset familial Alzheimer disease. Many individuals diagnosed as having early onset AD have another affected family member although family history is negative 40% of the time. Family history may be negative because of early death of a parent, failure to recognize the disorder in family members, or, rarely, a de novo mutation. The risk to SIBs depends upon the genetic status of the affected proband's parent. If one of the proband's parents has a mutant allele, then the risk to the SIBs of Inheriting the mutant to is 50%. Individuals with OFAD and a mutation in APP, PS1, or PS2 have a 50% chance of transmitting the mutant to, to each child. The risk to other family members depends upon the status of the proband's parents. If a parent is found to be affected, his or her family members are at risk. Use of apo genotyping for predictive testing, in contrast to the use of apo testing as an adjunct diagnostic test in individuals with dementia, there is general agreement that apo testing has limited value used for predictive testing for a DNA symptomatic persons. Data suggests that a young asymptomatic person with the apo e4/e4 genotype may have an Approximately 30% lifetime risk of developing AD. Further refinement of this risk reveals that women with an ApoE4 slash E4 genotype have a 45% probability of developing AD by age 73 years, whereas men have a 25% risk. These risks are lower and the likely age of onset later for persons with only one ApoE4. Allele, peak age 87 years or no e for lele peak age 95 years. These estimates are not generally considered clinically useful, however, a research study to assess the potential use of APO testing in relatives of individuals with late-onset AD is underway. Treatment is supportive. Each symptom is managed on an individual basis. Assisted living arrangements or care in a nursing home is usually necessary. Drugs that increase cholinergic activity by inhibiting acetylcholinesterase produce a modest but useful behavioral or cognitive benefit in some affected individuals. Antidepressant medication may improve associated depression. An NMDA receptor antagonist is also FDA approved. Because AD is genetically heterogeneous, genetic counseling of persons with AD and their family members. Must be tailored to the information available for that family. It should be pointed out that AD is common and that the overall lifetime risk for any individual of developing dementia is approximately 10 to 12 percent. Genetic counseling for people with non familial AD and their family members must be empiric and relatively non specific. First degree relatives of a simplex case of AD, single occurrence in a family have a cumulative lifetime risk of developing AD of about 15 to 30 percent, which is typically reported as a 20 to 25 percent risk. This risk is 2.5 times that of the background risk, tilde 27 percent versus 10.4 percent. In contrast, OFAD with mutations in AP, PS1 or PS2 is inherited in an autosomal dominant manner. Please talk within your family about history of A. D. Get to know the facts about Alzheimer's disease. Ask your doctor for information.